Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 58. This class has been sponsored anonymously for Refua Shilama, Hana Bat Sima Fega, and Sara Bat Yafazakia. Hashem, we should have Refua Shilama Bekarov Amen. We have been discussing the subject of Yisurin. And specifically, how Hashem communicates to us in all types of ways in life. One of them is Yisurim in other ways as well. There is a very important midah that we must develop if we expect to reach what is expected. And that is the Midah of Sablanut. The word Sablanut typically is translated as patience. But perhaps a more simple reading of the word, like Dalishur says, comes from the word Lisbon, which means to carry. Sablan is somebody who's carrying a heavy load. A person who's able to carry the loads of life without dropping them has the nida of Sablanut. If you drop the box, if you're carrying a load and you drop it and you lose it, and we'll describe what that means, then you're not a sablan. As we know, life comes with many, many challenges. The mundane ones, the simple ones, the easy ones, the light ones, the more complicated ones, the spiritual kind. Things aren't going exactly the way we wanted them to go. A phone that's supposed to ring but is not coming. A person that's supposed to be meeting you but is not there. A machine that's not working waiting for a bus, for a plane, seeing your children destroy the house. A friend that said something or maybe didn't say the right thing. <clears throat> and so much more. Savlanut is the ability to carry that burden or carry that difficulty without it making any difference in the way you look, in the way you act, and in the way you behave. Actually, the word savlanut does not appear in Tanakh at all. There is no such word in the Torah. So where do we get it from? 
since when do we make up our own midot? So the truth is that the biblical version of the word sablanut is one of the midot that Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu that we need to emulate. We say it all the time. We say Hashem is erech apayim. Erech apayim is the midah of sablanut. What is the translation of erech apayim? The word apayim is lashon af. Af means the nose. Apayim are the two nostrils. Erech apayim. Long nostrils. What does that mean? That's what it literally means. It means that when a person is nervous, when a person is angry, and everything in between, their breathing is faster, which means they take short breaths, shorter breaths. That's called Kotzer Ruach. Their wind, the Ruach, is short. Erech Apaim is when a, a person is breathing normally. They have nice, long intervals of breaths. That means a person is calm. The ability to remain calm inside and out, mostly inside, is the midah of erech apayim. That something can be going on in your life that is not to your liking, the small, the large, even as we've been discussing yisurin, difficult yisurin, the ability to carry them without it being recognizable in your actions and in the way you talk and not in your nervousness, not in your anger, you still have arichut apayim. You walk around as if nothing's wrong. It doesn't mean that one shouldn't talk about things that are wrong. And it doesn't mean that one shouldn't seek advice when things are wrong. We're not saying that a person needs to be a stone. But it means to be able to carry what's happening in our lives without getting nervous. That's the midah of Erech Apayim that we're calling today Savlanut. You see, we've been talking about how Hashem sends us messages. But let me tell you, there is no message that can be picked up when a person is nervous. When a person is angry, they cannot receive or take in any messages. Try to convince an angry person about something that is so obvious. You will notice that angry people say some of the silliest things. They make silly threats. They say things that don't even make sense. But when you're nervous, it makes sense that you don't make sense. So there's no way 
we can pick up all the messages that we've been learning about. We say, oh, Hashem is speaking to you through this. Hashem is talking to you through that. Oh, you got that message. Did you get that message? Beautiful things that we're talking about. The problem is that we're checked out. Because we're nervous. We're angry. We're upset. Because ultimately, everybody has things in their life that are not going the way they like. Of course, not to compare everyone and everyone's problems. It's not fair to do that. But for sure, everyone's got issues that can make them nervous. If you're a nervous person, there is reason to be nervous all the time. There are always people that make you nervous. In your family, your neighbors, your children, your spouse. There are plenty of things in life to keep you nervous daily, all day. With a lack of savlanut, there's nobody home. You can have the solution in front of your eyes, but you won't even realize it. Because when you're nervous, you're not able to think straight. Actually, most mistakes that people make in life Mistakes in their marriage, the wrong words that were said, mistakes with their children, mistakes with their neighbors, mistakes with themselves, mistakes with their creator. Most mistakes that people make do not come from a lack of intelligence or a lack of ability, but rather it comes from not thinking because the person is nervous. When you don't have savlanut, it causes a lot of mistakes in our lives. In fact, the Pasuk in Tehillim says maybe even further than that. I said most mistakes. But the Pasuk says in Tehillim, maybe it's not a simple explanation, but it's a beautiful explanation. It says, Ve'od me'at. Ve'od me'at means, and a little bit more, Ve'en rasha. There will be no bad person. How do you avoid being a bad person or doing bad things? Ve'od me'at. Just a little more. One more breath. If you wait a little bit, you know what happens to you? You'll never do anything bad. Because Hashem will not give you anything you can't handle. And if you have it, that means you have the ability. You have capabilities to solve all of the issues in your life. But you need savlanut. A little bit more. Don't drop the box. Don't lose it. Don't lose your calmness. Don't get nervous. I know it's much easier to say than to do. But that's the reality. The midav savlanut means you are a strong person that could carry the small, the light, and the heavy. 
as a proof to what we just said. We just read a few weeks ago that Moshe Rabbeinu, he came to Am Yisrael telling them that here he is coming to take them out of Egypt. He is the Mashiach. The moment they've been waiting for for hundreds of years. He's going to come and do it. Now I'm sure they looked at him and said, okay, who says? But they trusted him. And then as he went to speak on their behalf to Paran, as the Torah reports, things only got worse. And then Hashem tells Moshe, go tell them. Go tell them that I'm going to take them out of Egypt. And the Pasuk says that when Moshe told Am Yisrael the new message that God sent them to say, that I'm going to take you out of Egypt, I'm going to make great miracles for you. I'm going to give you the Torah. You're going to be my people. And you're going to know it's me that took you out of Egypt. Give him that message. The Pasuk says that after Moshe spoke to Am Yisrael, they did not hear Moshe. They didn't listen to him. Says the Torah. Because they're they were nervous. They were angry. They were upset. The opposite, the opposite of Savlanut. And who can blame them? But that's what happened. Mikotzer Ruach. Moshe is told by Hashem next, go talk to Paro and tell him to send Am Yisrael out of Egypt. Right after. Moshe says to Hashem, what? I'm going to go speak to Paro. And he's going to listen to me. He says, Hen b'nei Yisrael, even the Jewish people that I came to help them, lo shama'u elai. They didn't listen to me. They didn't believe in me. And I'm coming to help them. Ve'ech yishma'eni par'o. How is par'o going to listen to me? He's going to believe me. I'm coming to take away all his slaves. I'm coming to hurt him. If the people I'm coming to help don't believe in me. How will Paro believe in me? You're telling me to go and speak to Paro. I've been rejected by my own people. And the Mefarshim asked an obvious question. What's Moshe Rabbeinu talking about? That's not a good comparison. The reason why Bnei Yisrael didn't hear him is because they were exhausted Paro could hear what he has to say. You can't compare B'nai Yisrael to Paro. So some explain that the answer is that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know what the Torah says, Mikot Moshe Rabbeinu just saw, they didn't listen to him. He thought it was an emunah issue. He thought they just didn't believe in a person like Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, No. It's not an emunah issue. They have emunah. The problem is they're not listening because they are not patient. They're, they have kotzer ruach. So you thought it was an emunah problem? It's not an emunah problem. They have the ability. But with kotzer ruach, they lost their ability. 
We could say this line about so many things in life. Oh, that person, they're smart enough to have a good marriage, but they have kotzer ruach. Oh, they're smart enough to be a great mother and a great father too, but they're not doing it because they have kotzer ruach. Oh, they can have a great partnership in business, but they're not doing it because they have kotzer ruach. They could be a much happier person. They have that ability. They could do it. They don't need a seminar. What they need is savlanut. You see, you can know everything about life and how to live life beautifully. But when you have kotzer ruach, you lose all your ability. So many people today literally have made themselves sick. Whether it's through drugs or alcohol or gambling or anorexia or all types of sicknesses that people have brought upon themselves. You know, it's sad enough when we have to deal with issues that Hashem brings upon a person. But when you see people, millions and millions of people, right in our circles, are making themselves sick, you ask yourself, they're not smart enough? They don't know? So of course the answer, someone was talking this morning, just right here in this room, is we have to educate our children. We have to educate them that it's not a good thing to smoke. We have to educate them that it's not smart to drink. I told them, you'll forgive me. Our children know very well what's smart and not smart. They've been taught by their parents. They've been taught in schools. They've been taught by logic. You don't need to teach them that. It doesn't hurt to teach them. But that's not what they're lacking. When a person is nervous, young people are nervous today in the world like older people as well. But at least older people have some sort of direction, maybe because of their older years. But the new generation is a very different generation. People are nervous about everything. They're nervous how they're going to get married. They're nervous how they're going to afford getting married. So they're married, they're, they're nervous to be married and not to be married. They're nervous to have children and not to have children. They're nervous to work and not to work. Everything and its opposite is a reason to be nervous. And nobody could blame them. Because it's a rough world out there. At least in the way they grow up. So what happens to these people is that they have kotzer ruach. They're not angry all the time, but they're nervous inside. You could look in their eyes and you could see nervous wrecks. You expect nervous people to make good decisions? You're wondering why they're ruining their marriage? Why they're ruining their lives? Why would they say that? You ever hear a story when you someone tells you and they did this, they what? Why would someone do that? That's so silly. Why would someone say that? Don't they realize? And then you figure out in your mind, say, ah, they probably don't realize. Wrong, of course they realize. You think you're the smartest person on the planet? Everything we know, most people know. We're not such geniuses because what to know how to deal with life is not that complicated. Of course, if you talk like that, you're going to hurt yourself. But when you lack savlanut, when you drop 
the ball. You lose your ability. That's what Hashem told Moshe Rabenu. It's not that they were lacking faith. It's not that they couldn't believe in you. It's Kotzer Ruach. And actually, the next thing that Hashem tells Moshe Rabenu is, the Pasuk says, Hashem tells Moshe and Aharon, Vaitzavem el Bnei Yisrael. Vaitzavem el Bnei Yisrael. And He commanded them about Bnei Yisrael, or for Bnei Yisrael. And doesn't say what He commanded them. Usually when it says He commanded them, and He says, okay, and He said, go do this. It doesn't say. It just says, Vaitzavem, and He commanded them, el Bnei Yisrael. What did He command them? So Rashi Allah says, he told them as follows. He tells Moshe and Aharon, Banai sarbaninhen, tarhaninhen, which means they're not easy. They're complicated. When you're leading people, it's complicated. Whether you're leading one child or 10 children, whether you're leading a small family or a large family, whether you're leading a community, whether you're leading a class, no matter what type of leadership you're involved in and in life, everyone's got some sort of leadership, unless you hold up somewhere. It's not simple. Because leadership is not like eating matzah. When you already eat matzah and Pesach, the matzah is waiting for you. He doesn't run away from you, doesn't talk back to you, doesn't argue with you. He's waiting for you. When you make your decision, he's ready to go. But leadership is not like that. You're dealing with complicated people. So he told them, Sarbanim, he says, Tarhanim, they're going to make you crazy. They're difficult. He says, Almenat ken, tiyu mekabelim alechem. You have to know that if you're a leader in life, like I said, the leader of the smallest to the biggest, expect, he says, they're going to curse you. They're going to be upset with you. They're going to do a lot of bad things. But that's how it works. He says, He commanded them, You want to be an effective leader? You need savlanut. You want to be an effective mother? You need savlanut. An effective father, you need sablanut. Any leadership role you have in life, that's what Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu Aaron. They don't have an emunah issue. They have a kotzeruah issue. And it's your job to carry them while they're going through this difficulty. We find through history that some of the worst mistakes that individuals and groups have made has been because of a lack of sablanut. Go no further than Adam and Hava. First Nisayon in history. According to the Kabbalah, if they would just waited till Shabbat, they would have even eaten from the fruit. But they couldn't wait. It wasn't so much that they ate. It was, a, it was done so quickly. A little more. A few more minutes. 
talk about sins. The sin of the Egel. The Jewish people, 40 days ago, heard God talking to them at Har Sinai. The most important and amazing event in the history of the world. The giving of the Torah and Har Sinai. And Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, I'll be back in 40 days. The Pasuk says, Vayar Ha'am, they're waiting for Moshe to come back. Who could have blamed them for the excitement? Moshe Rabbeinu is in 40 days, where is he? What's he doing? What's he bringing back with him? And they're waiting anxiously for him. Vayar Ha'am ki boshesh Moshe laret binar. He delayed. Our rabbis say they miscalculated. He told I'll be back in 40 days, but not counting the day that he was leaving. They thought the day he was leaving also counts. So they were a few hours off. He was supposed to come back on the 17th of Tammuz. They thought he's coming back on the 16th. It's a mistake. What does the Pasuk say? Vayikahel ha'am al Aharon. The nation gathered on Aharon. You know, when a nation gathers to ask questions, they line up and they ask questions. When you gather on somebody, it means it was chaos. They all got, they were nervous. They gathered on Aharon and they told them, Aharon, we need now to make an image. We got to do something. We lost our leader. He's the one that we follow. We're lost in a desert. They panicked. I'm not blaming them. Moshe Rabbeinu was the man. He was the man that took them out of Egypt, single-handedly doing all the makot as a shaliyah of God. They're in a deserted desert. They have nowhere to go. They have no food. They have no communication with God, only through Moshe. Who could blame them? I'm not blaming them. But the Torah says they got nervous and they panicked. And they actually made an image a golden image. God told them, do not make images. It was only a month before. How could they do that? Every time you read the story of the Egle, how could they do that? And guess who asked that question, how they could do that? Moshe Rabbeinu is sitting in Shamayim, and God tells him, he says, uh, your people messed up. He tells him, Lech red, go down. Ki shihet amecha. Your nation really messed up. He says, Saru maher. They quickly turned from the derech that I commanded them. And our rabbis ask, they quickly turned? Let me tell you something. If somebody turns away from the derech, does it matter if it happened quickly? Does it happen in an hour or in a day? What's the difference? If someone is a Rasha, would you ever say, did they do it quickly? Did Hitler become a Rasha quickly? Or did he do it slowly? Who cares? What's the difference? Why is Moshe Rabbeinu being told, Saru Maher, as if that's important information. They turned away from me quickly. Perhaps the answer is, that Moshe Rabbeinu would lose his mind otherwise. How could it be? When did you ever see a person who was on the highest level of Kedushah, 
plummet to the lowest level in a more in a matter of moments. We've seen people go down in life. Oh, sure, we've definitely seen that. Every drug addict that we witnessed, we've seen them go down. But it took time. It was the wrong friend. It was the wrong party. It was the wrong drink. It was the wrong situation. It was the wrong... And then it takes time to go down that fast. You never see a guy wake up one morning, yep, that's it. I became the worst guy in this. It doesn't work like that. How did they go down so fast? Moshe Rabbeinu was wondering, what do you mean? I don't get it. We just spoke to them on Har Sinai. Hashem says, Saru Maher, because they were in haste, because they were rushing. Because when you lose your Savlanut, you act in haste. You act without thinking. And when you act with, without Savlanut, you can plummet all the way to the bottom very quickly. In fact, the Ramban says that there's a word in Hebrew, it's a certain type of person who's called a petty. A petty is a gullible person. A gullible person could be a very smart person, could be a very knowledgeable person. What makes them gullible is that they somehow, they'll buy anything you say. You tell them the weirdest piece of information and they'll buy it. It's a gullible person. It says the Ramban, the word petty is the same as the word pit'om. Pit'om means when somebody acts suddenly. When you act without thinking, you become a petty. You will buy Anything that life has to offer, even if it's to your destruction, even if it's to your detriment. You love your children. You want to give them only the best. But if you're pit'om, if you're in a rush, in haste, if you're not thinking, if you're not carrying the load, then you become a petty. And you'll do some of the silliest things, not because you don't know better, not because you're not capable enough, because when you act pit om, you become a petty, you become gullible. When you lose your savlanut, you become a petty. Let there no more be questions, no more questions on why people do silly things when they're nervous. Never ask that again. How could they? What were they thinking? They weren't thinking. What's the logic? There's no logic. You lose your savlanut, you lose your capabilities. It happened again by the Miraglim, that terrible sin of the Miraglim. Moshe Rabbeinu says in Sefer Devarim that when they came to ask for the spies, they already messed up. Because the Pasuk says, Vatikrevun Elai Kulachem. You all came to talk to me. You know what happens if an entire nation comes to talk to Moshe Rabbeinu? It's called chaos. Usually, when someone talks to Moshe Rabbeinu, they line up or they send somebody, they send a representative. Like it says in other places, Rashi points it out. 
They were nervous. Where are we going? What's this land? Who's there? Are we going to be able to capture it? Is it within our capability? Will Hashem help us? Again, I don't blame them, but that's what they were, that's the way they acted. It's no surprise that when the Meraglim came back, the Pasuk says, when they heard the terrible news, the Pasuk says, Vayivku ha'am balayla hahu. And they cried that night. Why does the Torah say, and they cried that night? And the answer is because we can't blame them for crying. People can get worried and they can cry. But that night, sleep on it. You're making a decision that night? Something terrible happened today. God forbid. Right now you're going to decide? Right now you're making your choices? Balayla hahu, wait, sleep on it. Some people tell you, never sleep if you're upset. They're wrong. When you're upset, go to sleep. It's the best thing you could do. Because there's probably nothing good you're going to do when you're up. Go to sleep. Wake up in the morning a little calmer and maybe you could access your brain again. That wasn't the problem. Now you're crying. Now you're telling Moshe Rabbeinu, we're not going. Easy. I know you got difficult news. Wait. Wait. Come. This is not a way to make decisions. I can go on and on and terrible sins that happened because of people who were not patient. They lost their sablanut. I'm sure each of us could write our own book of our lives of things that we wish if we were honest that we could have changed and if we looked at the real issue it was a lack of sablanut let me tell you a different kind of story that happened in the Torah we all know the story of Moab when Am Yisrael was approaching Eretz Yisrael in the desert so on their way, they wiped out two powerful countries, two powerful kings, Sihon Melech HaEmori and Og Melech HaBashan. These were like icons of the time of power. And the Jewish people without an army came and wiped out these countries. Who was next in line? Moab. And the Pasuk says, that the king of Moab, Balak, when he saw what the Jewish people did to the Emori, to these powerful countries, these powerful kings, the Pasuk says, Vayagor Moab, they were frightened. They were frightened from the Jewish people, they were so scared. Vayakots Moab, they were disgusted by the Jewish people. You know, when you're frightened of someone, you keep talking about it, you keep talking about it. The more you talk about it, the scarier it gets. The scarier it gets, the more angry you get. The more angry you get, the more disgusted you become. It's just this vicious cycle, you don't stop. You continue, you continue, you continue. Hazara, again, one more time. Let's review, let's review, one more time. That's the way it works. And every time you review, it gets worse again. A little more, a little more. That's what, that's what happened by Moab. So what did he do? He went out and tried to figure out a way 
to curse Am Yisrael. He went to hire Bil'am. And there's a whole parasha that we read about the story of Bil'am and Balak. What, what Moab did in this situation was an eternal damage to themselves. Because the Torah says that while we're allowed to marry converts, but not if they come from Moab. They can convert, but you can never marry them. Why? Because they went out to hire Bil'am to curse you. It's a terrible thing that they did. And I ask you, could you blame Moab? What do you want from them? They're trying to protect their country. They're acting in self-defense. You read the story, say, what did they do wrong? What, 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 what should they have done? I mean, they're not Jews. They don't believe in everything that we believe in. Is that expected of them? Where did they go wrong? If you see a nation, imagine, God forbid, God forbid, there's, a, there's this terrible group, a huge army that's coming up the East Coast. It hits Pennsylvania. Then they take over New Jersey. And they're coming up the Turnpike. Guess what? You're going to be frightened. You're going to do whatever you can to protect yourself. Who can blame them? But in truth, if you look again, you realize that this whole thing was made up. If they would have actually had sablanut and looked into the matter a little more, they would have realized that whatever they heard was simply not true. The Torah tells us that when the Jewish people were passing by Sihon, they asked him, they sent a message, Would you please allow us just to pass your land? We won't stray. We don't want to go anywhere. We don't want to take tours of your country. We don't want to eat from your fields. We just want to walk through. They're asking permission. And if he would have said no, they would have walked around. The Pasuk says, what was the answer? Pasuk says that Sihon gathered his nation and he went out to fight against the Jewish people. Imagine, they asked him, can we walk through your land? And he comes with his army to fight. And as a result, in self-defense, Am Yisrael destroys him. How about the next one? How about Og, Melech Habashan? What happened there? The Pasuk over there says they didn't even wait for Am Yisrael to come and ask. They immediately went out to war against Am Yisrael and again they were wiped out. There's no reason. There was no reason to be afraid of Am Yisrael. They didn't do anything. But when you don't have Sablanut, you don't have time to look into the matter. How many times have you heard something and gotten nervous without looking? Who said? Who said? When did they say? To whom did they say? You know how many things people get nervous from? And they don't even know who, why? People just walking in blind, blindly, screaming. You know what happens? Everyone just screams with them. You know how many times we don't look into the facts and we just get nervous because people are nervous? 
a certain hysteria develops from different things in life. Moab got excited. He lost his sablanut. If he would have just looked into the matter, he would have realized there's nothing to worry about. These people are not touching you. He would have saved his nation. He would have saved his, his, his people for eternity. A terrible mistake, a lack of sablanut. Says David Melech, Shalom in Tehillim. Ani amarti, I say, behovzi, when I act in a hurry, when I act in haste, when I'm looking for the quick turnaround line when someone says something to me, when I'm looking for the quick solution to a problem. Va'ani amarti behovzi. Whenever I act in haste, call ha'adam kuzel. Every person will become disappointed. Even the smartest person is going to be disappointed from what they said. How many things do you remember about yourself? I certainly do about myself. That looking back, and it took me only 30 seconds to realize, why did I say that? I could have been much smarter. I could have lowered my voice. I could have waited. Why did I do that? I got smarter in 30 seconds? No. But I lost my sablanut. When you lose your sablanut, you could destroy so much good that is in your life and in the life of others. Let me share with you a little piece of information about the Midah of Sablanut. Because it's always good to know when you're learning something just how valuable it is. And by the way, even a little value is worth learning. But if you know something is more valuable or maybe the most valuable, then you put a lot more effort. If you walk out of this class today thinking that Sablanut is a good Midah to work on, you would say you went to a good class. But if you walk out of this class realizing that Savlanut is the Midah to work on, then you would say, oh, I'm so lucky I went to this class. Imagine I didn't come today. And Savlanut is the Midah. The holy books write that Savlanut is the Shoresh it is the source, it is the root of kol hamidot vehamaalot. All the midot that we need in life, all the characteristics that we need to have, all the qualities that we desire, at the root of all of them is savlanut. Without savlanut, there's nothing to work on. Just an example, the last four or five weeks, we've been learning about the subject of Yisurim. We learned so much about the subject. And I'm sure there's much more that we didn't learn. But all those weeks, four classes, four hours, six hours, whatever it is, it's worthless if you don't have Sablanot. Which Midah has any value if you don't have sablanut. Because all midot start in your mind. And if you lose your sablanut, your mind's check 
is checking out. You all probably heard of a very famous Mishnah. The Mishnah says in Pirkei Avot that Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakai, he asked five students to tell him, five of his great students, to see if they can do research of what is the number one achievement that a person should try to acquire and from it all the good will come. Of course, there's a lot of different areas. But if there's one thing to work on, which is the one? So one says, Ayin Toba. Have a good eye. Have a positive view of things. Rabbi Yoshua says, Haver Tov. Have a good friend. Or some explain, be a good friend. Rabbi Yoshua says, no, even more. Shachen Tov, a good neighbor. Or be a good neighbor. Rabbi Shimon says, Look, the ability to see the consequences of your actions. Comes Rabbi Elazar and says, number five, he says, Lev Tov. A good heart. And their rabbi says to them, I want to tell you, the winner is number five. He says, Lev Tov is the winner. That's the one. He says, because everything you said begins with a left hook. Now, if I was to ask you, uh, what is a left hook? What is a left hook? What is that? So, probably, I imagine, in your mind, if I had to guess also, I would say, a left hook means a kind person. A left hook, you you're a kind-hearted person. You feel the pain of others. You're a sensitive person. And perhaps some do explain that way. But listen to Rabbeinu Yonah. The great Rabbeinu Yonah writes in Perkei Avot on this Mishnah. He says, let me tell you what left tov is. Retzonol Amar Midat Haratzon. He says, it's the Midah of the human will. Zehu, this is Hasavlan. Savlanut. She'eno katsar ruach. That doesn't lose his breathing. According to Rabbein Yonah, Lev Tov means that you have a strong will that you're able to carry the loads of life. It comes from your desire to carry it. You don't need to be trained in the U.S. Army. According to Rabbein Yonah, what he's telling you is the tremendous power of the human will. If you will to have savlanut, then you will have savlanut. It's right there inside of you. If you dig deep, you will find it. Or you could drop the ball. The Lev Tov. When you're going through a situation in life, you have your own will to be looking for. You have to take out the shovel and dig into your own life. You don't need somebody else. You need yourself. You need to look in the mirror and say, I am going to stay strong.
I am not losing my sablanut. Again, easier said than done. But the first, first ray of light is that the source of getting it done is no one but yourself. If you're nervous, you can make it better. Where is it? In your left hoof. Dig deeper. You'll find it. Keep looking. It's there. It is no coincidence, and it's to nobody's surprise, not after this class, that if you open up Perkei Avot, which is the Masechet, that talks about character, midot, qualities, it's called Avot, because some explain that the Avot of the Torah, of the mitzvot, the shortest, the roots of all mitzvot is midot. That's what the Arizal says. The Torah doesn't even tell us about midot. Because those are obvious. You don't have midot, you have no hope for Torah. So it's called Pirke avot. Because this is the avot. This is the father of all greatness. Your character. And when you open up the first Mishnah Pirke avot, it talks about the Anshe Keneset HaGedola, the men of great assembly. These are great men. And it says, Hem Amru They said three things. I am sure they said so much more than three things. These are the greatest people in our history. What does it mean they said three things? It means they said, these are three things that you must have. And one of those three is called Hevu Metunim Pedin. Be patient before you judge. Be patient before you let loose. Savlanut. When you hear something, stop. Hold it. Don't rush. That's the introduction to Perkelvot. Like Rabbi Yonah says, Left hov includes everything that's good. You have sablanut, you bought yourself a great life. And you know who modeled that for us? Who is a great role model that we all look up to? When you look in the Torah, you will open up Sefer Bereshit. And you will see something awesome. You will see that the world came into existence with the words of the Creator. All this magnificent world, planet Earth and all that's in it, the oceans and the mountains, the billions of stars, many larger than the sun, the galaxies, all of that was created with God's words. That needs its own class. That's awesome. Wow. Yesh me'ayin. Something from nothing. We never saw anything like that in our entire life. That something was created from nothing. But yet, when we read the Torah, maybe we're used to it, so it doesn't phase us. But it should, as we grow more mature, 
When we read the Torah, we see Bereshit bara Elohim et Hashemayim et Aretz. Hashem first with Bereshit, He created the entire world. And then it says, Vayomer Elohim, and Hashem said, Yehi Or, let there be light. Vayhi Or, and there was light. And the Pasuk says, Hashem saw the light and said, oh, very good. Kitov. And then it says, Vayhi Erev, Vayhi Boker, Yom Echad. It was night. It was day. One day. Kav almost as to say, and God went to sleep. So, wow, the light's very nice. Okay, come back tomorrow. Next day. Vayomer Elohim. Hashem said, Yehi Rakia. And what happened? Vayhi Erev, Vayhi Boker. Yom Sheni. Oh, we're done for today. And the third day, again. And every day, Hashem created something, or more than something, and went to sleep. That should shock anybody. I mean, we can't fathom what it means to create with your words. But if already you can create with your words, you don't need to say it ten times. Ba'asara ma'amarot nivra ha'olam. The world was created with ten statements from Hashem. And any mature-minded person, when they read the Torah now, says, wait, why did Hashem need to make ten statements? Just create it all in one statement. What are you going to sleep at night with only the creation of light? Why are you stopping every day? What is that all about? God, are you not able to make it all with one statement? That makes no sense. This question is not my question. It should be my question, but it's not. It's a question of the Mishnah Perkeavot. The Mishnah says, Hashem could surely create it with one word, with one statement. And the Mishnah gives the most powerful answer. I'm going to say it in my own words, because I feel the word translated will lose their meaning. What the Mishnah is saying as the answer is Hashem is the role model for our lives. And He's teaching us something about our greatness. You see, Hashem created the world. That's greatness. Wow. And we're sent down in this world to create our world. Everyone is given a chance to create their world. Every person, Hazal tell us, is olamum lo'o. It's like a world for himself. How do we create our world? How do we bring our world to a world of greatness? How do we make our lifetime count and not just count, but count in the biggest way that it could count. How do we raise a great family? How do we raise great children? How do we live great lives? How do we live a life of simha? 
How do we live a life of Kedusha? How do we live a life of wisdom? How do we live a life of kindness, of real kindness? How do you create a great world? You know, when you see a great person, some of the difficult times that I have, and maybe others here as well, is when I read biographies about great people. I feel so small. You look at their lives, some of these people, what they went through, what they accomplished. And you look at yourself and you say, how can I ever get there? There are rabbis who during the Holocaust are writing questions and answers in halakha. They're in the concentration camps. I can't write one teshuvah like that. And I have all the books with me and everything is calm in my life. You read stories about great people, whether it's people that you knew or people you never met, you feel a little down sometimes. Because you realize how small you are. And what happens inevitably is when you think about great people, or you see great accomplishments, you just kind of check out because there's just no way for someone like you to be someone like that. It's just not possible. It's way beyond your reach. And comes the creator of the world and says, do you know how I created my world? I created it with 10 statements. I did something on day one and then I stopped. And I came back on day two and I did a little more. And then I did a little more. And then after a week, whoa, I did a lot. I could have made it in one time, but I want to teach you something. That if you want to create greatness in your life, you're going to have to do it step by step. You cannot capture everything at once, but you gotta go step by step. It's gotta be a real step by step, like one step forward and another forward and another forward. Not steps backwards, forwards. Not a fake step by step that people use from the lazy side of them. If you ask somebody, so why not doing more step by step? That means they're lazy. That's what they mean. <laughs> but a real step-by-step, -step, a sure step-by-step. -step. You know, a fool looks at all these books and says, I can never do it, never do it. Opens a Gemara, it's too big, can never do that. But a smart person says, if I do a little bit every day, just a little every day, in a very short time, it'll be big. That is the way to greatness. It's not another way to greatness. That is the way. In every area in our lives, whether it's learning Torah, whether it's our Shabbat, whether it's our Tzniyot, whether it's our Chesed, whether it's every, everything. Nothing is about taking everything on at once, but it's step by step. It's sure step by step. And who is the role model? The creator of the world. Just when you think things are beyond you, 
and you start doing it slowly, you realize, hey, it's possible. It's doable. That's the way Hashem wants us to create our world. Every Gemara, one daf at a time, one Mishnah at a time, one Shabbat at a time. A little bit at a time, one class at a time. A few years ago, I was in a big gathering, and about 20 minutes before, or half hour before, they would invite me to speak. Someone told me, so you know you're speaking, right? So I said, no, you didn't tell me. He said, oh, I, I figured you wouldn't know you're speaking. I said, there's a lot of people here, and I didn't know, I didn't know, I'm not prepared. He says, well, see what you can do. You have a half hour. And I'm sitting there, half hour, what can I do? Okay, but it is what it is. So let me see what I can do. And I thought of things, whatever it is, and I ended up speaking. And with Hashem's help, it looked like I prepared for a long time. So the guy comes over to me after. He says, you know, you're unbelievable. He says, you're a natural. You're a genius. In 30 minutes, you were able to say all that? So I told him, I told you, forgive me. I said, I know you meant it as a compliment, but that wasn't 30 minutes. I said, I've been studying for 30 years, day and night. That's not 30 minutes. story about a man who opened up a store to sell chickens. And he wanted an attractive sign by his window that everyone would come in when they see this chicken on the window. So he didn't want to put a live one because it doesn't work. They don't stay in the window. So he figured he'd get some artist that can make a real, beautiful, live, live-like or lifelike chicken. He's going to put it to window and it's going to bring in all his customers. And he's doing his research. Who is the top artist that can do this? He's looking. Finally, after all his research, he was pointed to the top, the number one artist. They told him, this guy, if he takes your job, maybe he won't take it, but if he takes your job, you're going to have some chicken by your window. He goes, he meets with him. He tells him what he wants. The artist thinks about it. He says, I could do it. He says, okay, well, can I pick it up? He says, uh, I'm going to need a year. He says, a year to draw a chicken on canvas? Sounds like a long time. He says, listen, you want the chicken from me? It's going to take me a year. He says, well, how much am I going to pay you? He says, well, 
for this year, I'm only working for you. I'm not doing anything else. It's going to take me a full year. So I need full parnasa for the year. Is he kidding me? A whole year? You're just working for me? Just to make that chicken on canvas? I can't believe it. Okay, they said the guy is good. What's he going to do? He has no choice. He's Okay, he signs a contract. He comes back after a year. He says, okay, is my chicken ready? He says, um, I had some hiccups along the way. I'm going to need another six months. Six months? Another six months. He didn't finish my finger. He said, and six months, and I have to pay you? He said, I told you, I'm only working for you. So, they're going to have to live for six months. Yeah, of course. If you want me to continue the job, six months. You got to pay me six months. Okay, he's already a year in. What's going to do? No problem. Comes back three months later, same story. Not ready yet. Finally, two years later, he comes to the guy. He says, are you ready yet? He says, yes. Oh, I really wants to curse the guy. He paid him two years for a silly chicken on canvas. But okay, it is what it is. He gets the box with the canvas inside. He takes out the canvas. He looks at the canvas. He can't wait to see the chicken. He looks at the canvas. It's empty. <laughs> can't believe it. There's nothing on the canvas. He cannot believe he wants to kill the guy. He doesn't know what to say. So the artist says, oh, oh, sorry, I forgot. Takes the canvas, takes all the colors, whatever he paints with, all the brushes, and in 20 minutes, he makes the most magnificent chicken you ever saw in your life. Gorgeous. Now the guy really wants to kill him. <laughs> he can't believe it. Go crazy. He says, You're such a, you're a chakran, you're a chiro, you're a liar, you're maybe a good artist, but nothing else. You dragged me for two years and you just did it in 20 minutes. He told me, Let me explain something to you. He says, This wasn't 20 minutes. He said, For the last two years, I've been living with chickens. <laughs> Every day, morning till night, all I do is watch the chickens. I watch them from every angle. I watch every single item on that chicken, every feather, every color, every every movement. He says, two years I'm studying this chicken. After two years, I got it. That wasn't 20 minutes. It's like a lawyer. You sit with a lawyer for 10 minutes, send you a bill for $1,000. So are you kidding me? It's 10 minutes. 10 minutes? $1,000 for 10 minutes? Or you go to a doctor. He just cut a little of the heart. How long did that take? A little piece of the heart. He took a knife and he made a little slit in the heart. You get a bill, half a million dollars. Are you crazy? I can do that. 
That's not 10 minutes. That's not one incision. That's a lifetime of work. Greatness in medicine doesn't happen in a minute. Greatness in law doesn't happen in a minute. Greatness in anything doesn't happen in a minute. That's the way Hashem made the world. It takes savlanut to become great. It takes one at a time. But it will come together. That's the way it works. Says the Mishnah Perkei Avot. You know why Hashem made the world in 10 statements? So that every rasha in this world that does not accomplish, that lives an empty life, will never have an excuse. Because surely his excuse will be, well, that was way beyond me. There's no way I could do that. God, you really thought I could do that? You really thought I could learn that much? You really thought I could accomplish that much? Come on, look at me. Do I look like a guy I could do that? So I saw it was too much, I dropped it. Hashem says, wait, hold on. Did I expect you to do it once? I created the world. I created the world in 10 statements. You could do a little, couldn't you? You're right, you couldn't learn the whole thing. Could you have learned one line, one page? You could do that. So why don't you do it? One page, what is that going to get me? It's going to get you very far. Just add one plus one. No excuse for people who don't accomplish because it's too much. Because the Creator doesn't want us to do too much. He wants us to do every day enough. And it's to give, says the Mishnah, to give great credit to great people. Great people, they do a little every day. But after it, you write a book on their lives and like, wow, that's a life. That's awesome. How'd they do that? I can't believe it. They did it one day at a time. One accomplishment at a time. And then put together, it's huge. You get great reward for one accomplishment? Yes. I was by a siyum last week. I was invited to speak out of town. It was a wonderful group of men that were there who finished the masachet. So they asked me to give them a few words of inspiration. I told them that it's interesting if you look in our religion, in Torah and Judaism, you'll find that there are a number of mitzvot that we do that we make great festivities by. Not every time we do a mitzvah, we make a party. But some mitzvot, we go all out. A brit milah, party. Pidyon ben, party. Bar mitzvah, party. Wedding, party. We don't make a party when we take a lulah. We don't, we don't do that. And none of the mitzvot do we do that. But somehow these, we make a party. 
and when we finish, we make a siyum masachet. You finish learning something, make a party. What's the common denominator with all these things? And perhaps the simple explanation is very simple. That we're not celebrating the mitzvah. Otherwise, we would celebrate every mitzvah. We're celebrating a new human being. A child with a brit milah is a new person forever. It's not celebrating that a mitzvah was done today called a brit milah. It's celebrating that today there's a new person that will never be the same again. It's the beginning of a person's life with a mitzvah brit milah. Pidyon, he was redeemed. That's a new person forever. A bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah, forever. It's a new, new human being. It's a new person. We're celebrating not the mitzvah per se. We're celebrating the great future of this new person that now is responsible for their own mitzvot and their own actions. A marriage is a new person, a new entity. Never is the person again the same after marriage. Hopefully for good. Amen. Still wishing. But what does it see you? When you finish learning something, what is that all about? What are you celebrating there? So actually, if you look in the words of Hazal, they ask, where is the source that we make a sauda by a And they bring the story of Shilomo HaMelech when he asked Hashem, Hashem gave him a wish, whatever you want, Shilomo, what do you like? And he asked Hashem for wisdom. And it said Hashem granted him wisdom and Shilomo made a party. So there Hazal said, oh, there's the source for a party by a siyum, which makes very little sense because that was not the end of anything. That was the beginning. That was when Hashem gave him the wisdom. He didn't learn yet. He didn't work it. He didn't work it yet. Why is that the source? But according to what we're saying, perhaps that's the explanation. You know, a person who learns a masechet of Gemara is not the same person as the one who didn't learn it. You know, I would tell, if I would tell you, if I would tell you, if you would come to this class religiously and pay attention, it's a big if, and pay attention, and internalize what's being said. And you did it every week for 10 years. I don't think you'll be the same person. And if I would ask you, so tell me, when did you change? Which day? Which class? If you would learn a masachet 
It would take you three years, two years. If you would learn Shas, it would take you 10 years. If a guy would decide this morning, to say, no, I'm going to start learning, and he does it for 10 years straight, every morning, he comes to class, learns Gemara. In 10 years, he will be a completely different human being. I've seen it with my own eyes. Not only in my life, but I've seen it so many hundreds, hundreds of times. When you watch a guy in 10 years, he's not the same person. So ask him, tell me, when in those 10 years did you, like, change? And he would never be able to tell you. You know why? Because it was every moment. But the way Hashem made the world, something that is unbelievable, chokhmah, the way Hashem made the world is that while you're accomplishing, you don't appreciate how much you're accomplishing. Because if you appreciated how much you accomplished every day, you would never not come. You would never not learn. If you would learn and realize, wow, I just created greatness in my life, who would not learn? But the way Hashem made free choice is, you come and learn, you don't feel anything. You go to a class, okay, I learned something. And it change. The next day you come to learn, okay, so I learned something. The third day, I learned something. And then 10 years down the line, you're a different human being. You're not even like relevant to the person that you were before. You can't even see yourself in pictures. You can't. What happened to me? What, where was I? How did I used to live? And you will never be able to pinpoint when that day or that moment was because there wasn't a moment. There wasn't a day. It was every single day. It was a little bit every day. Just keep on it every day. And all of a sudden, you're this great person. Can't believe it. When that happened, it happened all the time. That's the way it is not only in learning Torah, it is in every aspect of life. Anything meaningful in life, in the beginning as you do it, it's not easy. It may feel even not natural to the person. Of course it's not natural. It's not what you normally do. In fact, next week's parasha, when Hashem tells Am Yisrael, I'm giving you the Torah, look what it says. It says, Ve'ata, and now, Im bekoli, if you will listen to me, and you will keep my mitzvot, and you will be my nation. And our rabbis ask, what does it mean, and now? What do you mean, and now? What does it mean by that? Now, not later? What does that mean? Now keep the mitzvot, not later? Rashi, Allah Shalom says, this line of Rashi, you have to memorize. Says Rashi, listen to these words. Im ata tekabelu alechem. Which means, the Torah may seem overwhelming. The life of Torah may seem way overwhelming. Hashem says, im ata. But if now you accept upon yourself, if you commit now, just commit. Not commit to be everything now. Commit to start now. Im ata tekabelu alechem. Listen to these words. Ye'erav lachem. You will taste the sweetness. Notice, it doesn't say, if you accept now, it'll be easy for you. More than that. You will taste the sweetness. Shekol hathalot kashot. A rule in life, 
is a rule in life. Kol hathalot, all beginnings are difficult. Guy never kept Shabbat in his life, or never kept Shabbat properly in his life. And now they want to keep Shabbat properly? The first time? It's hard. Now, it may seem that Shabbat is hard. Rashi's telling you, no, Shabbat is not hard. Like anyone who keeps Shabbat knows, it's not hard at all. It's sweet. Shabbat is sweet. What's hard is not the Shabbat. What's hard is the Hathalot. Because it's the beginning. Learning Torah is not hard. Learning Torah is very sweet. The proof is, one who learns Torah can't put it down. So what's hard when you start learning? You start learning, should I go learn? Should I start learning? I don't know. It's so hard, it's so hard, I can't do it. You know what's hard? Hathalot. Call Hathalot. It's not, the Torah is not hard. The Hathalot are hard. Everything is like that. Senyaut is not hard. Hathalot is hard. Kashut is not hard. The Hathalot are hard. It is that way. Hashem says, Im ata. If you just say, you know what? I'm going to start. I'm starting. I'm starting my mission. I'm not finishing today, but I'm starting. Ve'ata. Im Hashem says, Ye'erav lachem. Not only will it be easy, more than that, it will taste sweet. Ye'erav lachem. You will soon see how sweet it is, but you have to commit. If you do and you don't commit, it doesn't say that. If you commit to it and you start at it, guy this morning says, you know something? I'm committed. I'm going to learn every day, whatever it is, half hour, hour, 20 minutes, whatever it is. I'm going to learn every day. I'm committed. If you're really committed and you come with that commitment, already you'll say, you'll taste the sweetness because you made the commitment. You're no longer hathalat. You're no longer beginning because you're committed to finish. Think of a little child. You know how hard it is for a child to imagine himself walking? Put your head in that child, in his head, and see all these giants walking around. And they walk step by step. And they don't fall. And here he is, this little guy, on the floor, on his knees. In his mind, for sure, he thinks, there are two types of people. There are the people who walk and the people who don't. And he's from those who don't. If a child is never told to walk, he would never walk. Why would he ever walk? He would think that's way beyond. And the proof is, any time he tried, he fell. But what does a father or mother do? You know what they do? Come on. It's just the beginning. You'll get it in no time. One step, another one, another one, another one. When a child starts reading, you ever open a Chinese newspaper? Well, you didn't open it. Maybe you saw it on the train or something. Could you imagine that people actually read that? What, what is that? How could you read that? Where is it? You don't know if it's going right to left, left to right, up, down, up. You, you have no idea. Now we're laughing because we don't read Chinese. 
A child looking at his first book looks inside and says, what is that? What is that? I could read that? I could ever read that? I could ever understand that? Never. And he would never try, by the way. A child will never try. Put a book in front of him for a hundred years, he'll never try. He'll assume that's the book for adults. Not for me. That's uh, for different kind of people. <clears throat> Luckily, there's somebody who says, come on, you can do it. Oh, but it's so hard. Yeah, Tom, come on. You get that. In no time, you'll be reading. You know how often we do that? How often we look at things spiritually or in other areas of life that are meaningful and we see it so beyond. We read a biography and we say, oh, impossible. Never going to be like that. I can never reach that. I can never learn that. Call at halot kashot. Hashem promises us we just need savlanut. We need patience. We need patience to learn. We need patience to become great. You don't become great in 20 minutes. You need patience. You gotta build it every day, every day a little more. Stick with it. And along the way, you may not feel anything that's happening to you, but it is. And that is why, and I'll end off, that is why on the night of Pesach, I'm sure by your seder, they ate matzah. You washed and you ate matzah to fulfill the mitzvah of achilat matzah. Torah commands us to eat matzot. Matzah represents the freedom that we quickly left Egypt. It's the bread of freedom. Hashem says on the night of Pesach, it's not enough to talk about freedom. You have to eat freedom. And after you ate the matzah, I bet they brought maror. And you said, Baruch Hashem al achilat maror. And you ate the bitter herbs. And of course the bitter herbs are there to remind us of the bitterness and the bitter times of Egypt. That's what was done on every seder table throughout the world for the last 3,300 years. Obviously, if you looked at it, you'd say, that's weird. It's out of order. The maror, the bitterness, happened first. And then we left Egypt. And then the freedom. Why would we eat the bread, the matzah? Why would we eat the freedom and then the bitterness? That's out of order. It's a good question. But when you look in the Torah, you'll see the Torah agrees with the way we do it. Because the Pasuk says, Al matzot umrorim yuchlu. Matzah and then maror. But why? Where is the logic to that? And the logic is a very important principle in life. The more we connect to this principle, the greater we will become. A person in bitterness, if you're in bitterness and you don't experience the greatness of freedom, you won't even realize how bitter your bitterness is. You won't know. 
When did Am Yisrael realize the bitterness of the years in Egypt? When did they really realize how bitter it was? When they experienced freedom. When you experience freedom and you taste it, you look back and you say, whoa, that used to be bitter. I'll give you an example. A person never kept Shabbat, grew up with zero Shabbat. Always in their life when they see Shabbat, or people keeping Shabbat, they say, these people, Hazaton, they're sitting in jail all day, they don't drive, they don't cook, they don't go on the phone, they don't. Hazaton, they're living in the ice age. Me, I'm much, much, I'm much more forward, I go shopping, I have my day, I got a great day. That's how you look at it. And who can blame them? Describe Shabbat to them. Shabbat looks like a, a prison with four walls. Well, you can't do it, you can't, you can't, you can't, you gotta go. And then all of a sudden, you start to keep Shabbat and you keep Shabbat properly. And all of a sudden, you look back after a few months and you say, What's I? How did I live without Shabbat? How? I don't, I don't understand. Because without Shabbat, not just my Shabbat, my whole week is different. The whole Shabbat experience changes the whole week. In, you know, in, in Judaism, we don't have the names of the days. There's no Sunday, Monday. There's no name for our weekdays. You don't have a name. It's Rishon le Shabbat. The first day to Shabbat. The second day to Shabbat. The third day to Shabbat. You know why? Because our whole week changes with Shabbat. It's not just changing Shabbat, your Motzei Shabbat change, your Erev Shabbat change, your Wednesday change. Already you're thinking about Shabbat. Shabbat, Shabbat is so sweet. But you'll only know the pain of not keeping Shabbat, the bitterness of not keeping Shabbat. No one you experience that bitterness? Not when you're in it. When you're out of it. When you taste the freedom of Shabbat, you say, oh my gosh. That used to be bitter. I don't know how I used to live. It is that way with everything. When you start experiencing the pleasure of Torah, you look back and say, what was I doing? How bitter. What was I doing? I can't believe it. How I was missing out on this. I used to not be able to take advantage of so much things that I take advantage of now. Al-matzot umrorim. The way greatness works is you build it like Hashem. Ba'asara ma'amarot. You gotta come in every day and with the patience, even though you don't see results, you don't see anything right now. Okay, patience, day after day, and soon enough you will be able to write a book of greatness on your life. Ba'asara ma'amarot. Ten words or ten statements created this great world. That is the way we will create our world with Savlanut. That is one aspect of Sablanut. Bezat Hashem next week. We'll go into more examples. Baruch Amen.